Hello, friends, and welcome to the Optimized Advisor Podcast, where we focus on optimizing the well-being and best practices of insurance and financial professionals today. On this show, our objective is to help you optimize your life, optimize your profession, and learn from other optimized advisors. I'm your host, Scott Heinela. We hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon, Nate Raby, Nate co-founder Raby. and uh, partner in RX3, correct? Right. Okay, so what? tell me more about what that is. Tell our audience, enlighten the group here. Yeah, thanks, Scott, first of all, for, for having me on. And uh, as we were talking before, getting my pronunciation of my last name correct, Raby, oftentimes confused with uh, many other uh, pronunciations besides that. So, but happy to be here. Yeah, make no mistake. We, we fumbled through that together. So yeah. I appreciate your kindness and generosity in that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, and again, thanks for, for having me on here. It's been good. So in my here. defense, for anyone's defense, it's spelled R-A-A-B-E. Yeah. It yeah. could go multiple ways. Now it's not any yeah. different for me. Heinela. Yeah. I get all kinds of things. Yeah. So we're in good company. Actually, for being honest, I didn't even know how to pronounce your last name until you just said it right now. There you are. So, Heinela. Heinela. Like vanilla and Heinz ketchup, but you kind of meld them together. That's what I try and tell people. Heinela. Mine's, Heinela. mine's like the disease, rabies. <laughs> okay. And it, and it's uh, pretty easy. Uh, yeah. Uh, my wife's main name was Mildrew, so she was pretty happy to meet somebody and get married and change her last name, and she met a rabies. A rabies. So, she shaved a few letters, she maybe did. one or two. Yeah, so we decided not to go with a Mildrew rabies. Hyphenation. So thank so, you for coming in. Yeah, well, happy to be here. So RX3, was that the question of what, what is RX3? What is RX3? Enlighten so, our guests. RX3, yeah, maybe uh, a little different than uh, some of the other uh, guests on your, on your show. RX3, we're a consumer-focused uh, growth equity fund based here in uh, Orange County, California. Recently moved to um, San Juan Capistrano, and we invest in consumer growth brands we can authentically provide value through our differentiated LP base. And I say differentiated LP base because we have a number of professional athletes and influencers that are actual investors in our funds, which is kind of very different than your traditional consumer growth equity funds. Which we'll get into. I have a couple of slides, okay. some conversation into that, which is a very unique take. But once you learn that and understand it, the metrics around that, it makes wonderful sense. I mean, what a great way to create a marketing engine and create internal awareness for your brand and what you're trying to accomplish without deploying a huge amount of capital, I would imagine. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of uh, flipping the traditional model on its head where you have consumer brands that want to work with athletes and influencers. So they'll reach out to them, talk to their agents and becomes very transactional, very unauthentic. We kind of said, you know, I think there's a better way where, because everyone's so interested in investing these days, where we can align interest better by, hey, let's give you money uh, for these. We have a bunch of athletes influenced in the fund and figure out how we can authentically help you because we're using the products on a daily basis. I also want to talk a little bit, I'll make a note of this, but like the difference between a micro influencer and a macro influencer, and I don't know if that's a description, but but there seems to be a little bit of shift within the industry of Yep. You know, too many becomes a little bit of a challenge. Correct. Uh, yeah. So how do you define that? And I would imagine certain uh, business models cater to better suited for one over the other as well. 100%. 
Yeah. So, but but yeah. pause on that. Wait, okay. So much. So how'd you get to where we have a lot to cover yeah. and not a lot of time? Uh, always fascinated about people's journey to get to where they are today, and I find a lot of value can be had in sharing of those stories. How does one get along this journey to where you are today? Yeah. Where do you start? Where do you cut your teeth? So, grew up in a small town. I guess not really that small, but Spokane, Washington, up in the Pacific oh, yeah. Northwest is where I where I grew up. Okay. Uh, my dad was a physician. He always said, you know, he's a small country doc, uh, and he did some big things in the healthcare uh, world. And so that always resonated with me. I say, you know, you can come from Spokane and still, uh, you know, uh, do things on a national level or, uh, you know, be, be successful beyond where you're from. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to school in the Bay Area, uh, Santa Clara University, go, Bron- okay. go Broncos, uh, where I met my now business partner, Aaron Rodgers, uh, who's quarterback for the, the Packers. He was at Cal. My college roommate uh, grew up with him in uh, in Oregon when he spent some time there, and so we got to know him. So I've known him for for twenty years. So that relationship's been there. Um, went from Santa Clara to uh, where I started my first business called. It was a it was kind of entrepreneurial, very very young age. I always like to do my own thing. Okay. Um, and so I started a business that was actually called Vanishing Veins, and it was something that we own these vein centers, opened up a few in Arizona, uh, but it was always in. How old were you when you did that? Uh, I started that when I was in college. Uh, okay. So it was my, my uh, senior year of college at, at Santa Clara. Wrote a business plan uh, for a business class, ended up winning something and got a little funding and started uh, uh, doing that right out of right out of school. Okay, you were in the right place for that too. Right, yeah, it was a good. A lot of money. Good, good spot there. Uh, and it sounded great. You open up these vein centers and, you know, we would help them with, you know, even to this day, I don't even know what we were selling. Uh, but we, we, <laughs> we opened, a, opened a bunch uh, across kind of the country and Arizona and randomly in New Jersey. And we just kind of, wherever it kind of stuck. Um, so did that for a while, and then um, I was I was always in healthcare. I was in healthcare. My okay, that was your niche. Yeah, my father was a physician. Uh, he started a company called Safion, which is like a new treatment for varicose veins. Okay, uh, did some fundraising for that company. I was a uh, one of the first employees there, and so realized that I had a uh, an interest for uh, connecting people and raising capital. Came mm-hmm. uh, something that I was able to provide value at a, at a young age to that specific company. And so I was with that company for uh, about eight years, doing different jobs from business development to uh, international sales uh, until ultimately was acquired back in. You in don't look a day over 40. Uh, and I'm not, I mean. That's good, because I'm, I'm younger than 40. You are? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the gray hair, you <laughs> Okay, good. You're not it's yet all, 40. I don't know. I guess we might have video, but. Uh, Let me restate that. You don't look a day over 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, thanks, Scott. Well, eight years. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of runway already. Yeah, is it? Yeah. So, and I, um, so I guess how I got here. Because uh, so you also worked with Roth. Yeah, with Roth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I can tell that story too. I don't know time or if there's interest here, but yes, I went from Arizona, uh, where we were doing these vein centers, and then I, uh, my wife went to business school out in Chicago in Evanston, uh, and so we moved out to Chicago. So I was there for I think uh, four years, and I was doing international sales at the time. For this company, Safion, which um, she was at business school and then she worked for uh, a venture firm out there. So we sold the company to Medtronic. We got pregnant with our first kid. Okay. And then we had a discussion of, hey, do we want to move back to Spokane, Washington, or do we want to move to Orange County, where my wife's from? 
And I say it was a discussion. I don't know if it ever really discussion happened. It was right. kind of like we're we're moving to Orange County. Yeah. Uh, and so, like I say, I it's it's your house. I just live here. Yeah. To my wife, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how it is. Uh, so move move out to Orange County and uh, in healthcare, my whole kind of career, and it was great. But you didn't really wasn't really passionate about healthcare. Right. Uh, and I think it's a great place to make a career. And I you know, thought about doing the physician route. But never, never really passionate about it. So I said, hey, you know, I think I wanted to make a career change, uh, which at the time is, you know, uh, it's kind of risky, right, to make a total career change in what you're what you're trying to do. But I think that's also why um, always been entrepreneurial, always wanted to kind of do my own thing. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to uh, this guy Byron Roth, and the only reason I knew him, I was in Arizona. We got introduced to him. And he's a guy that I asked to invest in this company uh, probably about five or six times. Uh, the Sapion company that was that we were raising money for. Always no. Uh, we, always no. Yeah, never ended up investing. And we ended up uh, selling, had a nice exit for uh, for our investors. And moving back to Orange County, I uh, reached out to him and said, hey, Byron, I'm, you know, remember when you didn't invest in that company, it actually worked out. You should, probably should have done that. Uh, mm-hmm. And... That's great. Just figuring out what I was going to do next. And he's like, you know what? I'm really trying to do more on the uh, the private investment side at, at Roth Capital. Uh, why don't you come in and kind of help me uh, start that up? So I was like, you know, great. No background in banking or finance. Uh, that definitely sounds like something I'm interested in doing. Jump uh, at that opportunity. Yeah. And so did did that. And that's where, you know, learned a lot. Got all my licenses uh, that you have to get for, for banking and realized that, you know, kind of came natural on the investing side, mm-hmm. which is which is good. Um, and then, long story short, so I was doing that for about four or five years. Um, we had what was called working with Roth, working with Roth yeah, Capital. Yeah, okay. It's called the Private Capital Group, where essentially it's like a merchant bank. We go out and find a company, and then we put in some partner capital, and then we go out and raise the rest through family offices and high net worth mm-hmm. uh, individuals and a bunch of athletes. Uh, and the athlete thing was always interesting because I've always had these relationships with athletes and uh, I saw the, the impact and the access that they could get in a specific deal mm-hmm. when there was that authentic relationship. Uh, so I was doing this for a while and it became very clear. You guys and, um, you know, I know the audience is more kind of in the, the RAA. and uh, Investment and advisors. Yeah, yeah, financial So everyone kind of understand sure. the, uh, the transition that, I saw is you know a lot of these guys we were doing a lot of earlier stage kind of deals mm-hmm. and I think the nature of early stage deals is the reality is majority of them don't work if uh, you know there's there's going to be some you hear all the success stories and I think that's a big shiny uh, red object that people go towards uh, 100%. but the reality is it's it's very risky and it's illiquid and it's not an asset class that a lot of people should have a lot of exposure in and so but on the the other side of this is. Uh, you know, I saw the access to deal flow that we were getting by when we attached some of these athletes to different things. Mm-hmm. Aaron and I were doing a bunch of uh, investing in a bunch of different companies, and we got some other people on the athlete side that were investing alongside of us and said, you know, this is great, but I really need to have some liquidity before I can do more in the, uh, in the, private, in the private space. Mm-hmm. So I said, I think uh, this is a long-winded story, but this is all how RX3 came about. Yeah, no, I love uh, this, though. And so, how, how one goes from healthcare to caffeine Dog food and yoga. Yeah, there you go. And manscape. <laughs> and man and, and manscaping. And, yeah, yeah. And manscaping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so manscaping was always kind of the, the goal right now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, how, how it started is 
So I was working with Hell Brian. of a business, by the way. I'm a customer. Manscaped? And, and, oh, yeah, so yeah. Dollar Shave Cub, Manscaping, yeah. uh, Manscaped. Uh, it's, the product is the, it's a commodity, basically. 100%. But the branding, the, the verbiage, yep. the what comes in the package, the subscription business model, it's phenomenal. Yeah, the founder is well sought after right now in terms of their DTC strategy and how they're able to do everything. They, they've really done a very nice I job. I mean, the foot deodorant. Who needs foot deodorant? But I use it. Yeah. They, they yeah. include it in the membership. Now you can. It's got a yeah. phenomenal little tagline. Yeah. You know, all of its – half of the, my interest in being an avid fan is purely tied to their taglines. Yep. And the wordings that they assign to their product. It's comical. It's genius. It's inventive. It's wonderful. That's that's how the consumer brands work, right? It's kind of, uh, and that's one from a DTC standpoint that's done incredibly well, and we use that as a case study for for a lot of our brands. Yeah, we need more of those. Yeah, we need more Manscape or more similar DTC brands. I don't know how many man. I don't know. I don't know. Not Manscape. More more yeah. businesses <laughs> yeah. that have. Yeah, for sure. Those are the kind of flourish brands. the way they have. Yeah, for sure. In whatever walk of life. Yeah, yeah. And so that was actually one. So just to close out how RX3 started. Uh, so we ended up left about five years ago, said, hey, you know, I've always liked connecting people. Uh, you realize that business people are very uh, infatuated with kind of the sports world, celebrity mm -hmm. world. So I thought there's a way that if we kind of bring everybody together where we're all kind of on the same team and uh, looking at brands and helping brands when uh, there was that authentic relationship that we could kind of create something special. So left Roth Capital, uh, started RX3 with Byron and Aaron. So, uh, Ravy Rogers Roth is kind of the RX3. Who, who, uh, uh, Byron is CEO of Roth Capital. Chairman CEO of Roth Capital, correct. Right. Yep. And so he's like, hey, I think this is a great also, idea. Also, I think part uh, owner of the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So last year we had two of uh, the general partners of RX3 in the championship when it was the Bucks and the, the Suns there. That's which sweet. Is cool. That's fun. Yeah. I do not have an ownership in. in Those are in fringe benefits. Yeah. yeah. That are basically priceless. Yeah. Exactly. Kudos to so, you. So, uh, uh, so anyway, we said, hey, I think there's an opportunity here to get a group together, uh, get access to a lot of deals, don't have that inherent risk of early stage investing, but do more all growth stage investing and co-invest with uh, well-known funds that we can kind of provide a different value than what they had with their uh, their operating partners and whatnot by activating different athlete influencers. So that's what we did uh, four and a half years ago, and that was kind of the genesis of RX3. So it went all the way from Spokane, Washington, to uh, Stinton, Arizona, Chicago, and then now back in Orange County, sitting here with you today. With you. Here we are. So that's it. And it's been a heck of a run. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I don't even look over forty, and that's <laughs> and that's because shame on me. <laughs> yeah, well, shame on me. Yeah, look. Uh, in description of your of your resume, you 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 have the experience uh, of a fifty year old. But there you're, we go. Now we're now you're we're hardly to, a day over thirty. Now we're trying to cover here, Scott. I see that. You, <laughs> I am <you're>, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we're good. So let's talk about there are interesting uh, metrics that you guys have within just the world of you know um, the consumer economy, creating awareness through influencers and that whole marketplace. And um, maybe you could speak a little bit to that of the access that an organization can have in terms of just networking through particular relationships that have influence at the in, with the world at large or 
is it very strategic of no 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 this is an influencer or this is an individual that has specific uh benefits within the businesses or the marketplace that we're trying to execute in yeah yeah so um i'll kind of answer it because your portfolio i think is very strategic in the sense that you can't be all things it's like well first question is do you invest in any type of business or there's specific segmentations that you're looking to invest in yeah so our, our whole model is that we don't pay people or we're not um you know the traditional model is kind of paying athlete influencers mm -hmm. behind a brand. Our idea is, hey, we're going to invest. We're going to make money based on the success of the of the brand. There's opportunities to do endorsement deals and different things separate from from RX3, but that authenticity is kind of what makes our model work. So we invest across the consumer spectrum and kind of health, wellness, active lifestyle type brands because that's really where kind of our differentiated investor base can really help. Like they're using they're a gun every day. So Therabody makes a ton of sense because they're going to be using it when they're doing recovery uh, or Hydro, which is like a Peloton for rowing, which is doing extremely well. Uh, that's one that rowing, you know, five years ago wasn't something that I think a lot of people were familiar with. Now you have the CrossFit, the Orange Series, and a bunch of things mm -hmm. that are kind of popping up. Mm -hmm. And rowing is now a big part of a lot of people's kind of workout. Uh, Another program. silver lining within the pandemic, COVID as well, is... Connected fitness has done 100%. Yeah. Connected fitness uh, definitely has benefited from that. And Hydro is also a subscriber business. Yeah, right? subscription business. Yeah. yeah. So that does well. So we kind of look for, um, you know, that's one of the factors that we look for when we're evaluating deals. But to answer your original question, alignment is everything. So it has to be a right fit. If you, you can't, uh, I think you've seen a lot of examples where brands have tried to attach an athlete or an influencer to the brand where they don't authentically use the brand or product and it just doesn't work. And I mm -hmm. think now today more than ever, consumers understand that. Uh, and so it's really important that you do have that authenticity. And that's what's nice about kind of our model of RX3 is we have a number of different athlete influencer type that if it doesn't resonate with one of them, there's somebody else that it probably does if we kind of you know are doing our job right and investing in the right type of brands where we can provide value. So. Uh, one category that if you ask me when I started our, when we started our X3, you know, four years ago, that didn't think we would be able to help as much as we, as we have been is that the pet space, another category that's obviously done very well with the pand pandemic, the whole humanization of, uh, pets is something that is very real. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have three kids and so, uh, my kids are asking for a pet, but if you, uh, anyone that doesn't have kids or even have pets, I think they understand you want what's best for your, yeah. your pet. So that's a category that's done, done very well. And. Uh, we've been able to provide a lot of value in that category. So one of those products in particular, by the way, I'm now, and it, again, it's not my house. I just live there. Uh, Nom Nom is feeding yeah. our dog and she absolutely loves it. Will not be persuaded outside yeah. of yeah. any other, any other food. Nom Nom is great. And that's, I know what you pay for that. And that's a premium, uh, that's premium food for sure. And then we, yeah, we had a lot of people. My wife would have no other yeah, choice. Who's, who's, you anyway. could actually, we could eat Nom Nom. Uh, went to the factory and it's all human grade. And uh, they did very, actually they just exited recently, which was publicly announced. Okay. Uh, which was a nice, nice return for us and our, our investors. But that that's a category and a specific company that has done, done very well. Okay. Pandemic. Okay, so RX, you know, your 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 uh, growth fund one, yeah, that's done. That's that's done. Uh, yeah, we're to new investors. Know, yeah, yeah. We're, for now with growth fund two. Yep. 
Yep, growth fund too. And so how is that going to differ from one? And also for some of our listeners who may have clientele, one of the reasons I've got you on here is to enlighten individuals on just how this type of investing works, because I guarantee you some of them are working with clients that would have an appetite for this type of investment and, and how they uh, can work in this capacity. Yeah, love it, Scott. Yeah. Tee me up here. This is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're done with Fund 1, as you said. Now we're going out. We've had uh, uh, five exits in Fund 1, so it's been going well. Um, out of the gates, we kind of told ourselves we don't want to do early stage investing because the reasons we kind of talked about before, the inherent risk, very binary. And a lot of the investors that we have, um, first exposure to private investing, and you really don't want to uh, – you know, it's really important for us to show returns mm-hmm. uh, quicker than I think the traditional uh, seven, 10 year horizon for a lot of these private companies. So we kind of underwrite to three to five X over three to five years is really how we look at it. Uh, so mid to high 20 IRR is kind of what the, what we target. Um, fund one, we are kind of on pace with the amount of capital that we've returned and the exits that we've had. And so it's showing that our model works because uh, the access and uh, kind of what we set out to do, which has been great to see. So for fun, fun too, it is something that uh, I think what's different about kind of our model is, especially for a lot of the uh, investors that we have, is it's not, we're the products, we're the brands that they actually enjoy talking about. So maybe they have, you know, 5% or less of their allocation and a fund like RX3, but it's kind of cool to say you're an investor in Therabody. Uh, mm-hmm. You seem to really like Manscaped, uh, <laughs> Hydro, uh, or whatever it might be, or gain plant-based protein. Yeah, uh, Our brands are just kind of brands that you can feel, you can touch, you kind of know what they are. There's yeah. not a lot and, of- And you know, like you said, fitness, health, wellness related. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's something that's not very on trend. Um, you know, Core Power Yoga is one that obviously great brands, uh, had some challenges during the pandemic, but of it's one that people, people are familiar with. And so it is, uh, the brands that we invest in, people understand. And That's a perfect example of a, a business model that was, you know, which there were many that were just no way around getting hit during the pandemic. But I would, I would argue probably fast recovery uh, now that things have opened up more. I mean, there's a yeah. huge appetite for, at the end of the day, it, it's human isolation is not good for anybody. Yeah. And there's a real hunger for activity, being outdoors. Obviously, yoga has its devoted followers and following. So I would imagine that that the recovery curve is also pretty steep in a positive direction. It is, and it has been, and hopefully we continue to to see that. And I think, you know, during the pandemic, you had companies that saw tailwinds and headwinds. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think everyone was affected in some, especially the consumer brands. Mm. We are fortunate most of ours saw some tailwinds with the connected fitness with actually Manscaped randomly saw a lot of uh, tailwinds. Um, and now coming out, I think, you know, the pandemic just kind of accelerated some of the trends that were going to happen. Mm. Uh, and so we're, we're seeing them, like even connected fitness, I don't see that going away. Uh, no. Despite the Peloton stock, that's not indicative. Oh, that's a separate the, conversation. Uh, as the... Uh, the connected fitness market, uh, and we, we kind of know that, and I, I think that's going to be around. I think people, you know, understand there's some conveniences of working out and doing some stuff in your own home, but like you're saying, I think people are yearning to get back out there, uh, which great transition into our first investment in fund two is kind of an outdoor, um, outdoor habitat camping company called Tax Outdoors, which we're very excited about, which we uh, 
uh, just invested in with El Catterton. Wait, so what's it called? It's called Taxa. T-A-X-A. Yeah, T-A-X-A. And that's the domain, yeah, That's right? the, that, yeah. That's the website domain, T-A-X-A.com. T-A-X-A outdoors.com. I mean, yeah. again, not anywhere near the analytics that you've gone through to get to the acquisition or the investment, <clears throat> excuse me, investment, but in pouring through their website and reading through, hell of a model. It's great. And it's, you know, not going away. It's a category that's kind of been pretty you know, uh, stagnant in terms of growth category. But I think now you're starting to see, you know, there uh, people want to be outdoors and it's definitely a trend that's only going to continue. Well, and laser focus to Gen Z millennials, yeah. you know, I could tell one of those things behind my Tesla. It's a cool product. It's a cool It's product. a very cool yeah. product. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot you can do with it. It's very modular. They have a, a bunch of different options. So we're, we're very excited to have that one, but that's, Talking about uh, the trends and people wanting to be outdoors, it's it's very on trend, and we have a, you know, the excitement from a lot of our investors has been very strong from that type of brand, and that's one that, you know, we have the ability to invest alongside groups like El Catterton, TSG, and a lot of these bigger funds that mm. like to bring us in alongside of them because we can provide that different value. So I would imagine that there there's a limit or a target amount of companies that that each fund would. Yeah, there's a scalable to where there's our sweet spot. Yeah. So for this, it's roughly I would guess twenty or so. Yeah, exactly. So five to seven million uh, check size. Thing we learned in Fund One is the same amount of work, uh, whether you write a million dollar check or a five million dollar checks, in terms of how we go about vetting and diligencing and really try to provide value to those companies. So early, I guess, learnings from Fund One is we did a couple of onesies, twosies where we invested maybe one, two million dollars, and it's still a lot of work. And so we had some exits that. They're great, but doesn't maybe move the needle as much as they could have. Mm. And so we said, yeah, let's be really intentional to when we do make an investment, let's lean in, provide all the resources that we know we can to really help that business and make more concentrated bets in areas that we know we want to be in uh, versus kind of doing some of these maybe ones that weren't maybe aligned with our original strategy out of the gates in fund one. Mm. But five to seven million checks, a dollar checks, and we, you know, we're very active investor on the board. We take board seats uh, when we can, and um, kind of all gross. What stage, what no what seat. are what are parameters that dictate that? Whether, Getting a seat on the board or not? So earlier stage, so like growth stage. If we come okay. in, and uh, a lot of times they'll you know we're board observer on a few. They'll give us a board observer. So life like, cycle of where the business is at. Yeah, life cycle of business check size, um, yeah. and really how involved we can be. Sometimes we don't necessarily need to be on the board if we come in alongside somebody that we work very closely with and. Uh, we have information rights or whatever, but ha having that visibility uh, really allows us to kind of activate our network and provide more value to the brand. So out of sure curiosity, just pure curiosity, I, you know, a lot of athletes I see attach themselves to apparel brands. Yeah. Um, for me, that's a very just concerning space because it just seems to be so competitive today. Yeah. And, and you know, exceptional businesses that have grown to massive valuations, but I would argue there's probably also many, many, many who aren't. Many more. Many more, yeah. Yeah, that aren't. And I, I don't see in your portfolio, unless I'm wrong, there aren't any real apparel brands. Yeah, well, uh, I don't want to call you wrong, but there is it's one okay. called Mac Weldon, which is... Uh, okay, I, I know that. I think actually is all apparel. Got uh, it. But As part of one. It's part of fun one. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And but great point in that uh, a learning that we had is 
apparel, they had good products, very popular in the Northeast, and it was a brand that people are familiar with, strong DTC model. Uh, but a lot of our athletes have kind of deals with the Nike, the Adidas, the Under Armour, whoever, and so mm. they actually can't even wear or support or do anything because they're already kind of locked up in a category. Correct. Uh, and so that was something that you kind of, okay, you know, it's a little more challenging maybe than some of the other brands uh, for athletes specifically because, you know, they're obviously going to be more um, uh, focused on the companies and the brands that they have endorsement deals and they actually have contractual agreements with. Where ours is more, hey, if you like the product, use the product, it helps us all. So it is, uh, that's actually a great point. And apparel is a tough category for sure. It's tough. And unless you're really intimate, I would yeah. think, with that space, it's just, but I guess that would be applicable to anything probably. Yeah. What kind of workflow or pipeline does a company like yours have that you're reviewing and going through at any given time? And and is there a percentage of how many deals make their way to the finish line? Yeah. So we've been, uh, you know, early on we had, when we fund one, we had the, um, the network and the relationships of Roth Capital that would kind of a lot of feeders come through there. We had a lot of co-invest from uh, some funds that we had relationships with and some athletes. And really what we found is uh, over the, as the life of the fund and our name has gotten out there, deal flow, we've been very um, happy with the amount of deals that are coming from all different directions, candidly, now that they kind of see that we can provide value and move the needle in a different way. So deal flow, we get it from our LPs, we get it from other funds, we get it from uh, a lot of times we're more proactive now where we find a category that we want to be in and we want to, we know we can provide value. So we'll reach out to that brand and get on their radar and when they are ready or we'll front run a deal, whatever it is, because now we can kind of show that we can execute on what we say we can. Uh, so we, we are more proactive than maybe we were originally, where it's more reactive mm -hmm. because we can be. Deals we see, you know, we're trying to, the hardest part is saying, trying to stay focused on what we know we're going to invest on because mm -hmm. we have so much inbound. You want to be respectful of the intros and the other opportunities. And you also want to make sure you can build a relationship. If a company is too early today, could be something down the line. And so you want to try to help them out any way you can, knowing it's not a fit for you today. So we see a lot of deals. Our team is, uh, we have a very strong team. It's proactive and we get constant inbound. Uh, and so it is, it's the, the criteria for getting across the line is very high because we do operate more like a PE company than a private equity company versus like venture. Yeah. And so a lot, of, a lot of diligence uh, that goes into it. And just because of the risk profile, we are more kind of PE growth than true venture. Got it. Okay. So we see, I mean, yeah, hundreds and hundreds a month. So yeah. with the specific target sectors, and this is from... Fund one, right? Food and beverage, beauty, personal care, health and wellness, household products, pet, retail, e-commerce. Right. In two, is there any added categories or is it pretty much the same? Like, let's just drill deeper and... Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, we know, model, we know. model works. Let's just yeah. be kind of more uh, focused on really only investing in those categories where we can provide value and we're not just a check. Uh, some of the fun one deals, we were just a check and really want to be focused on, we are differentiated capital. So I think that's really how we can kind of scale this thing. Um, we get asked if we do NFTs, we get asked if we do, you know, there's all sorts of, uh, yeah. you know, sports all media, different. there's just all, all different types of things. So our athletes are interested in that and they, or like the crypto and yeah, we're just, uh, we're really kind of focused on kind of consumer You have to growth. be uh, diplomatically respectful to uh, acknowledge your, your, you know, exactly your expertise. 
exactly. And I'm not going to pretend to know that that space. It's a uh, young man's game, and it's something that it's constantly changing. We just don't know it. Uh, so we kind of we have good kind of advisors, and people understand that that we we try to. Someone reaches out to, especially our investors, we try to do whatever we can to help them out, either through a relationship or some sort of point person that, that we can provide value to them and to companies as well. So it's important, I think, to to um, mention that this type of an investment is for accredited investors, qualified investors only. Correct. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have relationships with advisor, wealth advisors, financial advisors who maybe bring clientele and customers to you? Yeah, for those that kind of understand our model, and uh, absolutely. And most of the time, uh, a lot of the athletes or a lot of our uh, investors, it's, it's word of mouth, right? So people with Fund One, and they say, hey, we have really good experience. We're getting good returns. We like this group. It's a good category. It's, there's a community side to this that I think mm-hmm. is different than maybe um, some other funds. And you know, one of these days, Scott, we're going to get you to attend one of our events uh, if you stay in the U.S. long enough here. We'll talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, absolutely, and it's it's a, a differentiated product, I think, than a lot of these other kind of private equity funds, uh, just because of how we operate, the brands that we're in, and the community. Uh, so yeah, we, we get we're always looking for for uh, other you know new qualified investors. Now with the uh, the fund is open, we've had a lot of success with the kind of fundraising so far. Um, but seventy five, yeah, for a for a first close, which we. Uh, you know, we'll keep keep the fund fund open here and get right. some other um, kind of uh, hopefully get some institutional investors as well okay. in the second fund. Set ourselves up for hopefully long term. Yeah. So talk about. I mean, experience. Well, let me back up a little bit. So we talk a little bit about the experience economy and and in with our audience and with us as a firm trying to emulate that to our customer base. Is what's the experience that you want to create and provide to your clientele? What should the clients look at when they walk into your office? What do you want them to see? How do you want them to feel? What do they? What should they smell? What does your brand look like? All of that is very important, uh, but also creating, you know, experiential events yeah. and access to things that differentiate you and your practice from you know every other advisor down the street, right? Yeah. Point in this is you're doing some. You have access to doing some pretty special. Uh, experiences and you've got one next weekend coming up which thanks for reminding me make me feel you know regretful that I can't be there uh, yeah. but a hell of an event yeah yeah and and pl- I mean playing into the whole athletes and I don't know how you get all these guys to uh, be there at the same time and give city slickers like us the ability to go out and play flag football some of these guys yeah me I'm a city slicker as well Spokane Spokane Washington. <laughs> So I think it's creating uh, events and atmosphere that people generally want to be a part of, but don't right. feel obligated to be a part of, right? So I think anytime you force somebody to come to something or do something they want to do, that just everyone's natural instinct is it's an obligation. And so we really look to when it's whether and do our our events and our community. It's like, hey, this is a really cool thing that you're a part of, and it's an opportunity and to be a part of interact with other high level people, and that's what. You have these very high-level, successful business professionals with the athletes, with the kind of influencer celebrity world. Everyone's kind of intrigued by everybody else. And we look at RX3 as a safe kind of community and a network, in a sense, to interact with these high-level individuals in a different space than you are. But everyone's very driven, very successful in their own right. And I think um, what we found is when we kind of put the right people in a room together, 
uh, special things can happen and people show up. Uh, and that's what we've kind of, we're, we're kind of seeing that more and more and really leaning into that and being intentional with fun too of being able to kind of uh, activate and engage our community of investors. So the event next weekend, real quick. Event next weekend, is. charity flag football, uh, which is something that we've How many to, people there? Uh, it's a closed event. We're trying to get it right the first time. Uh, eight NFL, uh, eight teams. Uh, each team raises money for an individual charity. Uh, has a NFL quarterback that's a uh, that's backing it. Um, that's fantastic. And yes, yeah, so we we tried doing this a few years ago, and then literally five days before the pandemic had to uh, uh, shut oh. it shut it down. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully, it goes off uh, as well as we think. But how I'm pretty excited about honestly? It. How hard was it to put together an event like that scale one to 10? Yeah. I mean, we have a great, great support, great team. Uh, it's getting, you know, you never really know what people's schedules and the type of people that we look to get there, who's going to show up. So you don't really know until the day of, okay, everyone's here that you want to be here. Uh, and there's, you know, definitely some, some pressure there, but you know, you can only do so much. And when you're there, what we found the feedback that we get from these type of things is, is always very, very positive. So, but a lot, a lot of prep, that goes into any of these type of events. Uh, we, you know, we got a great team that kind of helps out. We're lean and mean, but we uh, we get the job done. Yeah, seems so, like it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's next time exciting. I'll be there for sure. One of these times. Yeah, Son of a gun. I think you're over three. Son of a gun. No, yeah. shame on you. This first Maybe. time I've been invited. Oh, uh, the Super Bowl one. You didn't go to that one. Oh no. Yeah, the events. This is our first. This will be our first inaugural, and hopefully, you know, uh, first of many of the charity flag football. Absolutely. You see all these charity golf. We want to be a little bit different. Do the the charity football. So we're we're excited. So hopefully, we're sitting here next time and we're talking about what a success it was. Okay, so I'm going to switch to personal. Two more questions. One, which I always ask this, <clears throat> clearly, uh, very driven, very busy within your professional life. You have kids. Yep. Two. Three kids. Three, okay. Three Five, kids. seven. And two. And two, okay. Youngster. Two, two boys and a girl. Okay. Uh, what is your, if you have one, any any recipes for success or best practices as it relates to time management, uh, getting things done in your life, maintaining sanity, yeah, relationship with your wife, and also making time to do things for Nate? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marry well, because that makes everything easier. Okay. My wife is... Uh, marry up. Uh, marry up. Marry up. In, in, in all aspects, by the way. Yeah, my yeah, wife's yeah. older, so if, I don't know how old you're going to think she okay. is. She's a month older. I always tell people she's a, a cougar. Uh, she's a <laughs> month older than me. Uh, but yeah, you have a great wife. Uh, and the balance is something that you, you have to be intentional with. It's very. It can be very challenging, but that's yeah. my... my, uh, my how do you do it? Uh, so... I try to, uh, a couple of things with kids now, they're getting the age where they're in activities and they're doing doing different things. And so um, it can be very difficult sometimes to, 100%. Uh, you know, to turn it off. And as for me, you know, uh, you're always thinking about work, especially when you're an entrepreneur and you have your business, you, you have so many people that you're counting on managing people's money. Uh, there's a lot of kind of pressure that comes with mm -hmm. that. But you also realize that the reason that I'm able to and the reason I am doing what I'm doing is because I want to make sure I can provide and uh, be a good role model for my family. And so uh, you do have to kind of take a step back and me, myself, and it's very hard to do of like having intentional time. So even as you know, I do individual time with each of my kids, uh, even if it's 10, 15 minutes where you don't look at your phone or whatever and it yep. doesn't sound like it's... 10, 15 minutes, but it is can be hard when you're driving and doing all that kind of stuff, especially as you're raising a fund and 
absolutely doing, doing a bunch of different well i think part things. of it is being very intentional with that time makes it exponentially valuable 100 percent. yeah the other thing is yeah um, uh, with relationship with your significant other so with my wife we try to do a date night once a week you do. uh we have great uh family health here my in-laws are I see them uh, very regularly, and it's a blessing because we can go out and do a lot of the things I think a lot of people can't do if you don't have family So around. is that a standing date night on the calendar? Yeah. Uh, For the most part. If my wife will listen to it, she said, yeah, we've kind of, I've, I've kind of pushed that more frequently <laughs> than, uh, than I think we'd like. Yeah, we used to have it every week, every Thursday we do okay. a date night, and now, yeah, we, we try to, depending on the day, it moves around, but having a date night where just the two of us go out and you kind of reset it's crazy as it sounds like, well, you know, talk to you about that when there's kids around and all that kind of stuff. It's very difficult to have that time of what's going on in your life. How are you doing? hundred uh, percent. And so, and our kids notice it too, when you don't have that. And so we, uh, really try to keep our foundation strong. And I think that kind of, um, helps with everything else. I think for a lot of relationships and marriages and my wife and I've talked about this a lot. It's like, <clears throat> remember the kids came after us Yeah, and that's okay. In other words, we're the nucleus of this world that we are creating together. And so if we don't take intentional time to bring the nucleus together, then kind of the world begins to get distracted and fall apart. 100%. Uh, and so taking that priority and respecting that as, not that it's priority one, but at that moment it has to be, and everything else flourishes from that. But, it, but it's hard. There's so much noise. There's so much distraction. There's so many things constantly being thrown at us. Yeah. And uh, so I'm always interested in, in hearing from other people who, you know, you're going 120 miles an hour. And how do you shift gears and down, down you know, yep. shift to get into relaxation mode? It's not to. an easy task. No, I just when I try to go on a family vacation and vacation with three kids is not as relaxing, <laughs> probably as relaxing as, as it sounds. But no. uh, yeah, it's a, you, you need to do that. And I think just take time away. And I'm very fortunate because my wife is very involved with my work, very, uh, very smart and understands what I'm doing and contributes a lot. And so like, she's interested in what I'm doing, yeah. which is great. And she's in kind of a similar space. So we can a good support system. Great support system, which is why, uh, again, that's, that's why we all do what we do is uh, for the family at the end of the day. So yeah, very, very fortunate on, on that side. But yeah, it's, it's tough for sure, balancing. Yeah. Okay, last question. Have you thought much about what you <clears throat> what your true vision of success is for RX3? Yeah, so I, um, every day I get more excited about what we're building just because of the feedback that we get from our investors, our brands. And I, I realize that I, we're just kind of started, I, I knew there was something there that I think we could create something. And, and every day as we continue to go, I just think that there's such a big opportunity because we are doing things the right way. We're, uh, we're doing things that are different and we're creating a community that people want to be a part of all around kind of we are we're able to make thoughtful investment decisions and make people money. Uh, I don't have like, a, you know, I wanted to raise, I definitely want to be a billion dollar fund at, at some point in terms of when we get there, we'll, we'll see. But um, really think we're just getting started with the RX3 kind of platform and what we're building here. Yeah, that's fantastic. So it's, Good for it's, you. It's exciting. And you know, you probably could have done ridiculously well staying in the health insurance space, but you made a very key point in that you just weren't passionate about it. Yeah, you kind of got to be passionate about it. And that, you know, if you, uh, yeah, it's just every day. I, I like, don't think it works otherwise. It doesn't. 
No, it doesn't. It's not not longevity. Now look at it with entrepreneurs too. If you see entrepreneurs that, in, when we look at investment company, if they're not passionate about their business, they don't want to be there. Usually, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So, because there's a lot of ups and downs, even with your business, as you know, and any you know, your listeners, it, it happens. So, I think uh, being passionate and authentic with whatever you do, that's what I think a lot of most successful people have in common. I hope everybody can find that in their lives because you know what, you deserve it. I love that. Thank you for your time. It was good to see you. Likewise. Good to get to know you a little like, bit. Likewise, this is good. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please subscribe, like, share, leave a comment, or review. Be sure to check us out on social media at Optimized Advisor Podcast. Till next time. <laughs>